All right. Wow. How's everybody doing today? We doing good? All right. Come on. Now, listen, if this is your church, are, are you guys in love with Jesus today? All right. All right. If it's not your church, then I pray by the end of this service today that there is a little bit more love for Jesus. Okay. Um, that's what we're, we're living for. We're living for Jesus. We're living to serve him, to worship him, to follow him. We are a church that's definitely passionate about Jesus. And so I want to uh, welcome you guys here to our Carney campus. Welcome everybody that's in our east and west venues at our Carney campus. I also want to welcome everybody worshiping with us from our North Platte campus, as well as those who are online right now. Did you guys realize a lot of people watch online before they ever walk through the doors of our church? And you know what they gauge, you know, whether they're going to come here or not on? How loud you applaud. That's... <laughs> It's always that. No, actually, all we, all we project online right now, if you're watching us, is just the sermon. So if you really want to see the rest of us, you want to see some of the best of us, you got to come experience the people of New Life. Because the people of New Life, I think, are amazing people. Amen? Come on. That's, that's what I believe, guys. I mean, I'm not just saying that. I've been around this church for, what, 18, 19 years now? You don't stay around a church that long um, if, or my whole time. Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have exposure to a church that long and still love it um, if the people are, like, rotten. So uh, our people at New Life are amazing. I'm just saying that, man, at, at both campuses. It's, in, it's incredible. Um, so you know what? Hey, you, guys, you guys, as we kick off this, as we kick off, as we kick off this sermon, we're continuing our series in the Unstoppable series. How many of you guys have enjoyed the Unstoppable series? Awesome. Uh, you got to remember, people are watching online, right? They're going to gauge whether they, they're going to like the Unstoppable series based on how you like the Unstoppable series, right? So the Unstoppable series, just joking with you, um, the Unstoppable series has been kind of like opening up God's word and looking at God's word from the perspective of where God did just amazing things, right? And that's where we're at today. So let me just ask you a quick question. How many of you guys have ever thought to yourself, I wish I had more hours in the day so I can get more things done? Anybody? Okay, right. Now, let me ask the real question. How many of you guys have ever wished that you could have more hours in the day so you could take a longer nap? Come on, just be real. Okay, all right. I thought. I probably should have led with that one. Um, but yeah, I think all of us have been in a place where we wish there was more hours in the day so we get more done. There's a guy in the Bible who literally wanted that very same thing, and he got it. Now, he didn't get more hours in the day. He actually prayed, God, let the sun stay in the sky so that we can defeat your enemies, right? And he prays this prayer, and it actually happens. What a crazy prayer. Right? And this guy's name is Joshua. Now, Joshua, if you don't know who he is, he, he followed a guy that most people know in the Old Testament, Moses. You guys ever heard of Moses? Okay, Moses famous, right? So Joshua, he follows Moses. He's the leader after Moses. Big shoes to fill, okay? And so Joshua, he leads the people of Israel into the promised land that God gave them, which is what we know now as modern-day Israel. In fact, the promised land was a little larger than what Israel has right now. And so Joshua leads the people in there. That, that's a pretty good, pretty good feat all by itself. Um, but when he, when he goes into the promised land, God gives him this command and he says, Joshua, I want you to go into this land I've given you. And you've got kings and you have enemies that are living there. I want you just to drive them out. Okay. 
Um, he doesn't say to kill them all. He just says drive them out. And because uh, I've given you this land, and so it's not just going to come to you easy. You've got battles you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to get, you know, people out of cities that you now are going to occupy. But it's your land. It's the land I gave you. And because of your own sin, you walked away from it. But now, because of my grace, I'm bringing you back to it. And so when he brings him across into the promised land, the very place that he brings him is what's called the Plains of Jericho. Now, I've been, I've been to Jericho, all right, and um, it does sit really right near uh, the Jordan River, right as it dumps into the Dead Sea. And um, it's nothing like it was in the Bible times. But Jericho, this city, was a famous city. It was a fortified city. It had massive walls. In fact, it was one of those kinds of cities that it just kind of said about it that if you lived in Jericho, you were completely safe. Like, you slept at night with peace because you know, you thought that it was, impe- no one could penetrate it. Like, you know, no enemy could overcome it. Like you, you were just safe inside of there. And God sends him there, and then God gives him this plan to march around this city for seven days, and then the walls come down. It's an incredible story. You can read about it in the book of Joshua. After that, God directs him to a town of Ai, and in Ai, he, after some complications, he ends up driving out the, the king and, you know, the people, and he ends up accomplishing what God's asked him to do in Ai. And now the kings of this promised land are all freaking out. Like they're all scared. They're wondering to themselves, like, who's this guy, Joshua, who has this powerful God who's with him that everywhere he goes, amazing things take place. And there was a town about 20 miles away from where Joshua was camped. Joshua was camped in a, in a place called Gilgal. And about 20 miles away in Gibeon, there was this town. It was a large town. And it was a few miles away from Ai, and they had heard about what happened in Ai, and these, the people, the Gibeonites, they were kind of like, man, we're, we're next. Like, we're next on the hit list, right? We, they went to Jericho, they went to Ai, they're coming to Gibeon. And so they said, let's go make a treaty with Joshua so that he doesn't kill us and he doesn't take our city. So here's what they devised. 20 miles away, they think to themselves, we're going to trick him. That's what we'll do. Right? We're going to send some travelers there. We're going to dress them in old raggedy clothes. We're going to give them moldy bread. We're going to give them wine and old wineskins that are cracking and water and wine are coming out of them. And we're going to make it look like they've traveled a long, long way so that we can trick Joshua into making a treaty with us. So they get there and they're talking to Joshua and Joshua's like, hey, hold on. You guys, you guys are probably living in the, in the land God gave us. And if you are, I'm not making a treaty with you. And they're like, no, 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 no. Look at our clothes. Look at our bread. We've traveled from afar off. You know, we've heard about you, Joshua. All we're wanting to do is just make a treaty with you. We don't ever want you to come to our foreign land and kill us. And finally, Joshua, without praying, makes a treaty with them. They go back 20 miles to their town, and then Joshua finds out, hey, you tricked me. Now, what would you do if you found that out? Would you go, hey, our deal's off, man. Like, that's it. Like, you, you're a liar. You're a thief. You know, you tricked me. In fact, I'm going to send my army there now, and we're going to take you out. But that's not what Joshua does. Joshua's a man of God, and he goes, I made a promise to them before God, and I am going to keep the promise. Well, as soon as the five kings of the Amorites hear about what happened in Gibeon, they're thinking to themselves, Joshua's powerful. He's got this God that's for him that is unbelievable. He's unstoppable, actually. And then the Gibeonites have now coupled with them. They're powerful warriors in a big town. We're going to get wiped out. 
So the five kings of the Amorites decide we're going to attack Gibeon, right? And we're going to at least knock these guys out so that when we battle Joshua, we're not battling these two mighty, mighty armies. And as soon as they start attacking, the Gibeonites, they send a messenger to Joshua 20 miles away in Gilgal and say, hey, remember that treaty that we made? Come and help us. And the Bible says that Joshua honored the treaty. And he takes an army, and by the time he gets them ready, you know, night is just starting to fall. Dusk is on them. The sun has set below the horizon. You know, the purplish, reddish, yellowish colors are in the sky, and Joshua heads out. It's a 20-mile hike. You gain 4,000 feet in elevation between where Joshua was at climbing to Gibeon. That's a long hike, by the way, people, all right? Through the night, they're probably running most of the time in some capacity. This is not some slow go kind of thing. They've got some momentum to them. And for 20 miles and 4,000 feet elevation, and they show up in the morning. Well, during that hike, God speaks to Joshua. And he says basically these words, Joshua, don't be afraid, man. When you get there, I am going to give you victory. Now I want you to listen. I want you to listen to what happened next in Joshua chapter 10. As we look at this passage, what happened and how is God so unstoppable? Take a listen. In verse 9, it says that Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and, he, and, and took the Amorite armies by surprise, right? Because he, he just shows up, man, right as the sun is starting to come up. The Lord threw the army into panic, right? And the Israelites, they slaughtered a great number of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way to Azekah and Mechadah. And then I put a little thing in there. Is it in there? Yeah. I, I just added this, just so that you know, okay? These little brackets just say that I added that. I wanted you to know that it was 20 more miles from Gibeon to Azekah and Mechadah. That means that they traveled 20 miles through the night, and then they have chased the army for another 20 miles. And for all of you that are good with math, that's how many miles? 40 miles. That's a long ways. That's a long ways. When was the last time on foot you went 40 miles? Oh, and carrying all your battle gear. Oh, and using it, right? I mean, that's, that's quite impressive to me. In verse 11, though, it picks it up. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. That's about 15 miles. Can, when was the last time you were caught in a hailstorm, right? A hailstorm. I mean, if you're on the interstate and you're caught in a hailstorm, you're looking for an overpass to get underneath, right? But for 15 miles, just destruction, hailstones so large that your buddies are dropping by your side. I mean, there's going to be some serious insurance claims from that one. Just saying, all right? We live in a place where we, we understand that. More of them are killed by the hail than Joshua and his army killed by the sword. In verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua had prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said this, let the sun stand still over Gibeon. When was he in Gibeon, by the way? He was in Gibeon in the morning. In the morning, when the sun's just starting to rise, and he's already starting to defeat the enemy because he took him by surprise, and they're just now starting to chase them towards Beth Horon, right? And 
and before he ever gets to Beth Horon, somewhere in there, he prays this prayer in the morning. He says, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had what? Defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jazar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as a normal day. Then look what the Bible says. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Powerful. I mean, what a story, just declaring the unstoppable power of God. How did the sun just stop in the middle of the sky? Are you thinking that right now? Right? Are you thinking with me right now, like, how is that even possible? Is that possible? You're going back to, you know, physics and science and natural laws of the universe, and you're thinking to yourself, like, if the earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour and it just goes thousand boom and it just stops and there's the sun shining on it what happens to everybody standing on the earth <laughs> i mean right right it's like swing you know at a thousand miles an hour well, let's just say that that's not the case let's just go the earth stops gravity stops by the way you know without the earth rotating gravity stops and they're just floating now floating that's what they're doing right they're like you know like astronauts in space trying to drink tang. Hey, there's, there's a hailstorm, right? Right? I'm going to try to get that. I'm going to knock the hailstorm. Right? How do you fight if you're like that? Right? So let's just say this. Let's just say that God did stop the earth and the actual sun was shining on the earth. Is God powerful enough to overcome the very laws that he put into action? The answer to that would be yes. If God created them, God can manipulate them. But let's ask a different question. Let's ask this question. Can God cause light to be in the sky that man would interpret as the sun? Can God cause that to happen, right, just as powerfully? Can he do that even when there is no sun, like the earth just keeps rotating, right? The sun is on the other side. Can God cause, you know, it to be like daytime when it's at night? And the answer to that is absolutely he can. Here's some things we know about the character of God the nature of God, the dynamics of God. When you look throughout all of God's word, you find a quality of God that I think, this is my, this is my best guess. You're not here to listen to my guesses, but I've got to like at least tell you what my best guess is based on what I know and what I've researched about all of God's word, okay? So here's my best guess, and then I'm going to lay it down and walk away from it. So just take that for what it is. My best guess is that the very glory and the presence of God shone in that sky so brightly that modern-day man of his time thought the sun stood right in its spot. How do, I, how do I come to that kind of conclusion? I come to it by verses like this. In Revelation, when it's talking about this new heaven that's going to come, it says the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives it what? The glory of the Lord gives it light. See, whenever you find the word glory of the Lord, that's speaking to the very presence of the Lord in the very essence of light. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon, he dedicates a temple to God. When he dedicates the temple, as soon as he gets done praying, it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 7, that the glory of the Lord filled the place so much that the priest couldn't even enter it. The glory, meaning the light of the Lord filled the temple. It was radiating with light so brightly that the priests couldn't even enter it. People were turning their face 
from it. In fact, it says they fell to the ground and they put their face into the ground. Like, I can't even stare at that. It is so bright. I recognize God's presence is here with us. So my best guess is that the glory of the Lord shows up and does this miraculous miracle where God is shining so brightly that day for 24 hours while the earth continues to spin that the people look and they just go, man, it's like the sun just stayed right where it belonged. But here's the faith check. Let's go away from my little idea. Here's the faith check. Does it really matter how the light remained in the sky for the entire day? Does it really matter? Or does it just simply point to the fact that God is unstoppable? That's where I'm going to land. Right? I'm not arguing my idea. I'm just throwing it out there. It's one idea. Other people have different ideas. But in the end, my idea doesn't matter. What really matters is that God put on display his unstoppable power, and I'm reading it, and I'm going, wow, God, you are amazing. So what's my takeaway then? If my takeaway isn't to figure out, how did this miracle actually happen? What's my actual takeaway? It would start with this. And maybe this is your takeaway. That prayer aligns us with the unstoppable power of God. Joshua, he prayed in verse 12, and he asked God, stop the sun in its place so that we can do something for you, God, so that we can defeat your enemy. See, for our prayer to align with the unstoppable power of God, it has to be built on one critical piece. It has to be built on obedience to God. The prayer that Joshua prays that very day while he's chasing the army, God, let the sun stay where it's at so that we can defeat your enemy, goes back to when God spoke to his people and he said, go into the promised land and drive out the enemies. Joshua is praying a prayer out of obedience to God that God spoke to him you know, a long time before that. He is just doing what God's asked him to do. And his prayer is, God, let the sun stay there so that I can be obedient to you and I can follow what you said to me. Joshua was also praying, though, out of the understanding that God had just spoke to him on this 20-mile hike. And you remember what God said to him? This is exactly what God said to him. He said, do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua's walking into this battle, marching all night long with this great confidence knowing that God's for him. And if God's for him, who can be against him? That's where he's at. So Joshua's prayer, let the sun stay there, is a prayer of obedience. It's not a, it's not a prayer of, you know, God just put your, your power on display. It's a prayer of obedience. And if we want to see the unstoppable power of God happen in our life, our prayer has to start lining up with the obedience of God, right? Like, we got we to gotta stop praying the prayers, God, would you, would you please go do this? And we, we got to start joining God. Instead of letting God do something, it's a prayer of obedience that says, I want to join with you. Kim and I, if I can just make this really personal, just, just flip the tables. Let's bring it into today's world for a moment. You know, Kim and I, we, uh, we are just like you. Like, we get so much money every month, and we have to create a budget, and we have to live by that, okay? Many of you are just like us, right? doesn't matter how much you make. We have to live inside of our means, and that's the same, that's the same way with Kim and I, and so we've got a budget. We save X amount of money. You know, we, we give to the Lord our tithe. You know, we've got to pay our house payment and our car payment and our insurance payment and our gas payment, and we have to go out and eat, and we've got to, you know, do all kinds of other things just like you have to do. Well, this past 30 days, 
um, was a very unique 30 days, and we ended up having more expenditures than we had income. I'm pretty sure you've never had that happen in your household, right? In our household, we had more going out than we had coming in. So thank the Lord that we live by a principle that Dave Ramsey teaches with the Financial Peace University, which we do here at our church, and we have, we have an emergency account. And so unfortunately, as, as much as I hate to see that happen, and it hasn't happened for a few years, uh, I had to dip into the emergency fund to make sure that everything was paid because, you know, it's just the way the month went. Some extra things came along. Well, while I'm doing that this past week, I'm reminded of the fact that I, I have this $200, if I can just get really, really, you know, transparent with you, I have this $200 commitment that I made, that Kim and I made, to our building campaign called Pave the Way. And every month, you know, after the 15th, then we go online and we send that through the city on our online giving and we, we give the $200. And I was getting ready to do that when I realized I've already had more going out than coming in. And so the natural Jeff Baker starts thinking to himself, well, you know, will the church really miss my $200 this month? And then inside of me, the Spirit of God, I'm, this, is, this is just the brutal truth with you. Is this too transparent for you? You guys feeling awkward? Like, you know, like I let you into my closet or something? Okay, so this is all I know, though, is to be like this, right? So, um, so all of a sudden, like the Spirit of the Lord, this welled up within me and prayed a prayer for me. Like, you can't outgive God. God will provide. I'm not joking with you. It's just like in my office, this whoosh, this came like a rushing wind, right? One of our core values at our church is you can't outgive God. And as soon as that like prayed through me and I'm just like, you can't outgive God, God provides. And I'm like, yes and amen to that prayer. And then I immediately said, that's it. I'm making that $200 commitment. I don't care where my finances look like. God, you're the one that asked me to make that commitment. And out of obedience, I'm going to do it, even if it takes me deeper into my emergency account. And so as soon as I made that decision, (laughs) I know this story sounds crazy. As soon as I made that decision, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit reminded me. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you forgot about it, but you haven't haven't submitted your, uh, your May expense report. That means I've got money that I've spent that I need to fill out a report and turn it in so that I can be reimbursed for it. And I immediately started working on the expense report. And guess what? There was way more money that was coming back to me in the expense report than the $200 going out. But I wasn't reminded about that until I was just willing to be obedient. Right? It's obedience. And our prayer, if we want to see our prayer life, and our life line up with the unstoppable power of God, it's always going to come back to obedience. I'm so, I'm so amazed at what, at what Joshua did. When Joshua shows up and he sees five kings and five armies facing him at Gibeon, and he's getting ready to pray this prayer of, God, let the sun just stay right where it's at, because we're, gonna, we're just going to slaughter this enemy. He prays that prayer instead of the prayer you and me would pray. You know the prayer you and me would pray? Be like, whoa, God, there's like five kings and five armies out there. Open up the earth and swallow them. That's what, I mean, that's what we would pray. But that's not Joshua's prayer. Joshua's prayer is not to say, God, would you just do it for me? Joshua's prayer was a prayer of obedience. How do I join you 
in defeating this enemy. Like, I know there's a part I have to play, God. So for your life and my life, if you want a day like no other, which is a day like Joshua had, and the Bible records it that way, then you gotta, you gotta pray like no other. If you want a day like no other, then you just gotta stay faithful in the small obedient acts. And all of a sudden, you get a day like no other. Staying obedient to God and letting your prayers revolve around the obedience. Some of you, you know what you needed to hear today? You needed to hear this. Stop praying for that thing that's coming against you just to be swallowed up by the earth and start praying, God, how do I join you in defeating it? You, just being obedient, right? God, how do I just keep doing the obedient acts and, and watch the enemy be defeated? God, empower me to do that. Some of our prayers need to change back to our obedience versus just watching the supernatural thing take place. So just keep, keep being obedient before God, church. Just keep being faithful in the small things and let God give you a day like you've never seen before. Here's, that's one takeaway. Here's another takeaway, though, from this, this story is this, that no enemy is too big for the unstoppable power of God. Right? So let me remind you again. Five kings he's facing. That's a pretty big army. Joshua, it says that he starts chasing them with his army. He starts chasing them for 20 more miles. And 15 of those miles, hailstones are falling and the enemy's dropping like flies right in front of him. And Joshua's army is just chasing them with their swords, right? And they're jumping over dead body after dead body that they've done nothing to kill. And their enemy is just going from, you know, 1,000 to 900 to 800 to 700 to 600 right in front of their eyes. You know what you and me would do if that's what was happening in front of us and God was working in that kind of miraculous way and our enemy was just dropping like flies and we were doing nothing? We would go, whoa, 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 guys. Whoa, let's just stop right here. Let's take a little break. You deserve a break. Look how good you're doing. God, look at all these guys. They're just dropping like flies. Look at the, look back. Look at all these dead dudes that we just ran over the top of. Like we would... We would see how amazing God is and all the incredible things that he's doing and we, we would start to reserve. We would start to kind of pull back. We would start to say, wow, I don't need to go out there and like, you know, maybe I might run into the hail. I don't want to do that. Or I might get close to one of these guys and might get me with their sword and God, you're dropping hailstones on them. You're killing them. You're doing all the good work. God, I'm just going to kick back and watch you. That's not what Joshua does. Joshua says, yeah, there's no enemy too big for our God to conquer. Like, he's unstoppable, but I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going I'm to keep doing what I've been called to do. So church, just know this. When, when things are going really, really well for you, it's not time to retreat. It's not time to back out. It's not time to, like, lower your guard. It's not time to, you know, disengage from prayer. It's not time to start spending your money on everything else you want to spend your money on. Right? It's time to stay engaged. Keep chasing after God while God's chasing after your enemies. Like, stay engaged, even in the good times. Because if you stay engaged in the good times, it's amazing how the bad times, you still have a supernatural peace. But if you disengage in the good times, it's amazing how the bad times seem so devastating. Stay engaged during the victory years. Stay engaged during the victory days. Don't retreat. 
It makes the bad days, because the bad days are going to come. The challenging days are going to come. It's amazing. It's amazing how when the challenging times come, when you've been engaged during the great days, you just have a supernatural peace. Back to the story really quick as we wrap this thing up. Joshua and his armies, they chase these guys for another 20 miles. They, it says that they chased them, and only a few of them are even left. And those few, they escaped behind you know, fortified walls. But while they're doing that, this messenger comes to Joshua and he says to him, hey, by the way, Joshua, not only are we destroying all these armies, but we got the five kings. We've got them. They're, they're hiding in a cave right now. And this is what Joshua says to them. He goes, oh, you know what? Just take a bunch of rocks and boulders and just stack it up in front of the entrance of the cave um, and just keep them there, right? Because I don't have time to mess with those guys. We got an enemy to kill still. And so he just keeps chasing them. He's like, man, I love these hailstones. These are awesome. Right? He just stays engaged. As soon as that's all over, here's what the Bible says. As soon as the battle's over, when they brought them out, that's the kings, Joshua told his com- the commanders of the army this, come and put your feet on the king's necks. And they did as they were told. Then it says this, don't ever, don't ever be afraid or discouraged, Joshua told his men. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies. He's going to destroy all of your enemies before you. Stay strong and courageous. So what is this last takeaway from this passage of this unstoppable story of God's power? Is this, be strong and courageous because God is unstoppable. For some of you, you've got things that are standing between you and God. You've got enemies between you and the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And I'm telling you today, God's got your enemies, and he's willing to lay them down at this altar. He'll allow you to come and stick your foot right on their neck. But you're going to have to trust in him that he is unstoppable. You're going to have to put your 100% trust in him, and you're going to have to run to him, and you're going to have to say, God, I've got things, I've got issues that are keeping me from being the man or the woman that you want me to be. And Lord, I've been chasing them. Like, I've been chasing them, but it seems like they just keep coming back. I mean, just think with me for a moment. If Joshua just chases the armies, but he doesn't take out the kings, he lets the kings live, what do the kings go and do? The kings go and build another army. That's what kings do. So when Joshua goes back to deal with the kings, he eventually kills those guys. And he has to kill those guys. Because if he lets the kings go, they're going to build another army. And for some of us, we've been chasing our issues, but we've been unwilling to kill the root of it. Like, we've been chasing it because we don't like the effect of certain issues in our life, but we've been unwilling to literally put our foot on the neck, meaning we're going to overcome it. Symbolically, what the foot on the neck meant was this, you no longer have authority or power over me. And church today, if you want a day like no other, like Joshua had, a day like no other, then we're going to have to come to God and put our 100% trust in him, and we're going to have to start putting our feet on the very neck of the things and let God work in miraculous ways and pull out the roots so that we can overcome the very issues that stand between us and God. Today, I'm challenging you in both of our campuses, exercise incredible faith in God. We're going to use one song, one song to bring our hearts before God. What's God been saying to you today? How's God challenging you today to have a day like no other? Right now, on Sunday, here at New Life. Because my prayer for you today was this. God, may you give this church a day like no other. 
May you give this church a day like no other. May they walk away from here more free than they walked in. May you give them a day like no other. May they walk in with a cloud over them and may they walk out having the cloud burst and the sun shining on them all day. May they have walked in, you know, worried about many things and may they walk out lighthearted knowing that you've overcome the world. I've been praying today that God would give you a day like no other. But that means you and me are going to have to be like Joshua. We can't retreat. We can't back out. We have to press in. We have to grab a hold of God. We have to go after all that God has for our lives today. We have to be hungry for him. We're going to take this one song. I'm, I'm challenging you. Take this one song and just turn your heart over to God. Just turn it over to God and say, God, I trust you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help me to be strong and help me to be courageous today in Jesus' name, right? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, we take these last few moments that we're going to spend together, Lord, we ask you to move in a powerful way, in a supernatural way. Lord, you, you have the ability to conquer the enemies that stand before us in ways that we don't even know how to even ask for. Joshua didn't know how to ask for hailstones to go before him. He just asked for a prayer that said, God, give me the ability to join with you to accomplish what seems impossible, five armies against me. For this church, I pray right now in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would stir great faith inside of this body, that we would believe you for things that seem impossible. Audacious faith to stand right now in the face of an enemy that looks like he's too great for us to overcome, in the face of circumstances that seem like five armies against us, and that, Lord, we would pray a prayer. Don't just, don't just let me escape from this, you know, without harm. But, Lord, let the sun shine today. Give me a day like no other so I can live victorious for you. So, Lord, fill this church with the power of your Holy Spirit. And may this day be like a day like no other. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.